Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to breakfast and the class. Today's class is dedicated in thanks to Rabbi Shlomo Farhi. Thank you so much, Azaku Baruch, for all that he does, sponsored by the Defunis family. I appreciate it. Thank you. Baruch Okay, there's a beautiful, um, uh, perhaps, workshop that one can look at themselves from this week's parasha. Because if you look at the parasha, there's one theme that runs through the whole parasha. And that is, and all of our deeds should be, that's what the Mishnah says. It's actually made its way into our prayers. And all of our deeds should be, L'shem shamayim. What does that mean? When a person does a mitzvah, they could have many reasons why they're doing the mitzvah. One reason they want to have for doing the mitzvah is because they want other people to notice them. They want kavod. Another reason that we, they want to do the mitzvah is perhaps they want people to think that they're religious. Another reason, they want their children to get good shiduchim so they need everyone to see how religious, they, how connected they are. So there could be many motivations why a person is, uh, is uh, showing that they're doing mitzvot. But really, the important thing is that it should be l'shem shamayim, it should be for the sake of heaven. A deeper dive on this would indicate that even the ratzon, the desire to have a mitzvah done for the sake, not for the sake that I'm going to get olam haba, even that's not L'shem Shamayim. Many people mistranslate that. They think that my deeds should be L'shem Shamayim. For when I get to heaven, then I should have a place in the world to come. But the idea really of L'shem Shamayim is that a person should seek to do the mitzvah for the sake of heaven. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded him to do so, because that is the right thing to do. In fact, Rambam writes something Im impressive enough in his Haktama, in his introduction to the Sefer, to the, uh, to the Pirush HaMishnayot to his interpretation, his commentary on the Mishnayot, the Rambam writes that if a person does in their life one mitzvah, one, but you did it perfectly, there was no other intentions involved, there was no agenda, it was not for honor, you fulfilled the mitzvah to its, like they say, shel yud, to the, dot, the last drop on the smallest letter, you did it 100% right, you have a portion in Gan Eden for that one mitzvah. In fact, that's how Rambam interprets the fact that it says, The famous question is, the words say what they mean is that God wanted the Jewish people to, to give them merit. Therefore, he gave them many Torah mitzvot. All the commentators ask the opposite. You want them to have olam you want them to have merit, give them one mitzvah to do. Then for sure it will be easy. You give them so many, the opposite. The likelihood is that they're going to fail on many of them and then unfortunately they won't have the zikhut. According to Rambam though, we really understand what it means. I gave you so many and really even if you just do one properly, you already merited olam haba. So that's what Rambam teaches us. But that idea means that there's a very, it illustrates to us how elusive it is to do a mitzvah perfectly. To do a mitzvah in secret where nobody knows, where there's no kavod, etc., etc., etc. So why is this week the parasha of L'shem Shamayim? Because it begins with L'shem Shamayim, the middle is L'shem Shamayim, and the end is L'shem Shamayim. And I don't mean that it is, I mean that uh, the conversation revolves around. Yosef HaSadik has a dream. What is he doing? Why is he telling his brothers his dream? He knows they don't like him. Now you're going to go tell your brothers a dream about the fact that you're going to, that you're going to rule over them. What is he? Is dib? 
right? Obviously, they're going to be upset at you. And then, by the way, they hate him. They tell him, well, you're going to rule over us? Now, Yosef has a second dream. You got to be a special kind of stupid to then say the second dream, right? What is he doing? The answer is that Yosef, uh, our Chachamim explained to us, he wasn't stupid at all. He understood his dreams to be a form of nivuah. Remember, every other Navi that receives an, a nivuah other than Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't receive their nivuah while they're conscious or awake. They receive it in some sort of sleep state. So Yo Yosef understood his dreams to be a nivuah. The brothers understood his dreams to be the wishful thinkings during the day of Yosef to rule over them manifest in his dreams at night. The halakha is, if a Navi receives a nivuah and he withholds his nivuah from the people it's designed or designated to reach, hakovesh nivuato chayav mita. His punishment is death. Where do we find a Navi that withholds their nivuah and the punishment seems to be death? Yonah. Yonah is told, go to Nineveh. And what happens? He doesn't go, he runs away. What does God do? God makes him swallowed by a big fish. The punishment was going to be until Yonah does teshuvah in the innards of the big fish and the fish therefore spits him out to now go complete the mission. But Yosef, he understands no matter the consequences, he's going to need to make, he's going to need to share the dream. So example number one of L'Shem Shamayim. The conversation revolves, the entire fight revolves around Yosef's motives. We move to the middle of the parasha, the story of Tamar. We know that Tamar's intentions, what were the intentions of Tamar? Her intentions were to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Yibum. So she does something which seems a bit untoward. And yet, our rabbis explained to us that Tamar's intentions were the Shem Shamayim. That's why from the union of Tamar and Yehuda come all of the kings, eventually comes the seed of Mashiach himself, the Shem Shamayim. Our rabbis tell us that the immediate story following the story of Tamar is the story of Potiphera, the wife of Potiphar. She wants to be with Yosef. Why? Because she saw in some sort of Ruach HaKodesh, she knew that her and Yosef, the children from her and Yosef, were going to be part of the Shivatim of the Jewish people. So she tried to be with Yosef. Actually, she got it wrong because Nebuah is not always clear. It wasn't referring to her and Yosef. It was referring to the child that grew in her home, Otnat Bat Potifera, that Yosef actually wound up marrying. And that becomes, uh, what's it called? Uh, Ephraim and Menashe. Right? I always thought, by the way, what a bummer that must have been. Potifera chases Yosef his whole time there. Turns out, who does he marry? I think this is where all bad relationships with mother-in-laws was born. Either way, the point is Rabotai, he chooses to marry the daughter and from that comes the Shifteya. Now what's fascinating is, we put Tamar and Potiphera to cl close together. Al-Chachamim tell you, in order to teach you that Potiphera's intentions were the Shem Shamayim. And yet, in the end, it didn't work out. How could it be? And we learn from this an amazing lesson. A lesson into how to understand your own intentions. You know, sometimes a person goes uh, to the subway in New York City. Obviously not during Corona. That's possible, the worst possible place you could be, okay? But other than Corona, you go to the subway. Sometimes you go to the subway and you take the stairs down and there's your train. Hazaku Baruch. Sometimes you take the stairs down and then what do you see? 
Another escalator descending deeper to the depths. Second level, subterranean, right? Then sometimes even you go down another. Yani, you get to the bottom, you don't see a train, you see signs in Chinese, Rabotai. That's how far you went down into the, into the core of the earth, okay? You go down, you go down, you go down. The nature of the subway system can be compared to the inside of a human being's thoughts and emotions. Sometimes you have an intention and you think, oh, you know, I'm going to go deep. Deep dive, what am I really doing this for? I don't mean to do it for kavod. The real reason why I want to do it is because I want to help the Ani. Yes, but why do you want to help the Ani? Sometimes a person could be giving money to Sedaqah because this Sedaqah, the other week there was a person here who had trouble with his foot. He was worried, da da da. I said, you know, I'm going to give him a donation. And I said, please pray for this name. I gave him the name of my father, Ishaq ben Sarah. Bless him with many long years of life Who's had trouble with his foot I said if I give the guy you know, Why am I giving the guy money? I, not for him I'm giving it for my father So I think wow Okay you know what I didn't give tzedakah with the right intentions But look Kibbut Ava'im Master Right? Now I'm fantastic But now I'm telling all you about it Maybe it's kavod. You understand? You go down a level, you go down a level, and there's still always another level. So it's very difficult to understand in yourself why you are doing something. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Are your deeds l'shem shamayim? You ma'asecha, ma'asecha, and all of your deeds should be l'shem shamayim. How do you know? So Rabotai, we learned an unbelievable trick from this week's parasha. And I'm going to preface it with a question. The question is as follows. We read about uh, Yaakov Avinu's fight. And a man fights with Yaakov. Shuhada, who's this man? Who's fighting with Yaakov Avinu? The most wicked malach in all of creation, it says, right? Who's the most wicked malach? Saros el Esav. Who's the most wicked malach? The Blasi. No, who's the most wicked malach? The most wicked malach is the Saros el Esav. That's who it is. Now, all it says is one word. What does it say? Ish. Who's Ish? Sarosh Esav. Let's look in this week's parasha. Yosef Fasadi goes to find his brothers, right? All of a sudden, Ish. A man finds him. Oh, come the rabbis. <laughs> Hold on. Who's Ish? Gabriel. Right? We're dancing the best malach, Gabriel. Minen Luen. One time it says Ish, and the answer is it's Sarosh Esav. One time it says Eish, and it says is is Gabriel, one of the great malachim that is designed to help Am Yisrael. Mimini Michael Mismoli Gabriel. What's how do you, where do you see that? And the Sifrei Musar say something so piercing. They say, look at what the Saroshel Esav says. Yaakov Avinu says, "What's your name?" Barecheni. The malach says, "Leave me. I need to go." When Someone asked him for help. What did the malach respond? I need to go. When it came to the malach over there by Yimsa'ehu Ish, the malach, what did he say to Yosef? Matevakesh, what do you want? What do you need? What are you looking for? The measure of man can be defined. The measure of their spiritual relationship with God can be defined. Are they a good angel of God, a good messenger? 
Or are they a bad messenger? You know how you know? You know by how they treat another human being. Particularly another human being who's smaller than them. Yaakov is, uh, you know, is, is struggling in this moment. He's alone. Yosef is alone, wandering. He's lost. You're treating a Hazik case. A guy who came back to get Tupperware. You're not how you know, treating some no, a nobody. You see a person's spiritual intentions from their interpersonal intentions. So we look at Potiphera. Potiphera wants to be with Yosef. Why? We just told you. Right? She knows that she's going to build the Shivatim. Sounds amazing. She almost sounds like one of the Imahot. Her intentions for physical union with a, uh, another person is only to build the Shivatim. Yeah, but what happens when she doesn't get what she wants? She turns on this guy. She says, Lashon, all right, lies about him. Gets him thrown into prison. That's the proof. Right there. You see? Look at how she treated him when it didn't go exactly the way she wanted. From your interpersonal relationships, you see the person's spiritual intentions. There was once a man who looks out the synagogue window and all of a sudden he sees walking down the street is a guy, very short, height challenged. He's a midget. Guy goes running down the stairs, looks up to the window of the shul, calls, guys, guys, come down, everyone. Everyone comes running down, says, take a fire. What's the matter? He turns, he points to the midget like this in the street. He says, Baruch atah munayelokenu melech haolam mishaneh habiriot. Hashem made a strange creation. Everyone, you know, some guy comes up to him, they're like, are you out of your mind? You called everyone downstairs, you pointed to the guy in the street, you, you humiliated him. How are you going to do something like that? The guy says, humiliated him? Are you crazy? I wanted to be mezakeh, everyone with it, I'm in. If your mitzvot come at the price of someone else, then it illustrates that your intentions are not spiritual, they're self-aggrandizement. The Malach says, I need to run. Where do, I need to, where do you need to run? I need to go sing songs to Hashem. Beautiful. It's even the point of a Malach's creation. Yes, but somebody needs something. Pause. God created you to be like Him. And Borei Olam, like we know, as we said earlier today, so we're able to tell the mark of man, ish, ish, by how they treat the other man. Rabotai, this is a job that each of us need to take a look, a penetrating look at ourselves. And it's very difficult to do things completely altruistically. And maybe we won't succeed at doing many things on that level. But Rambam teaches us we only need one. Or at least we need to start with one, to try to do things in a beautiful way. Rabotai, I'm not one who is fond of stealing things from other religions. But there's something that I saw by the non-Jewish people that I really loved and I'd like to adopt it. And you'll tell me if uh, this is not appropriate or unorthodox. There's a thing called, they do in many offices, it's called Secret Santa. Did you ever hear this? Everybody brings in a gift. Right? You put the gifts in a bag, everyone should. We don't celebrate Xmas. We don't have Santa. But the idea of doing mitzvot in secret, 
to be a secret giver, undercover. Rabotai, there's nobody who's better at going undercover than the Mossad, right? There's enough Israelis here. I'm sure one of you guys is probably Mossad. Either way, right? You guys are undercover, long-term. You're, oh, I'm a real estate broker. Oh, I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm a, yeah, you know, but the, meanwhile, the guy is very crafty, right? You know, you know what you do, by the way? You go past the guy as he's putting on his tefillin or something like that, and you make a sudden move. If the guy chops you in the head you know, before he even gets the other one, or he gets his tefillin and you find it, then you know he's taka, Mossad, like they say, okay? Now, guy, great, we're great at doing things undercover, but what about doing mitzvot undercover? We say about the great mitzvah of tzedakah, matan baseter yichpe'af. person who gives uh, tzedakah privately, quietly, yichpe'af, that uh, covers over and turns away God's anger. Why? And I always love this idea. Because the anger of God is aroused, literally, by evil things. Matan baseter, what's the opposite of matan baseter? Giving quietly, giving secretly. The opposite of giving secretly is giving openly. So that means if you give openly, you could still have God's anger. Right? You think, I'm giving Siddhaka. I gave Siddhaka. The question is, did you choose specifically to make it open? Did you go, hey, midget, Baruch Hashem. Today, even that term is not appropriate. Right? I don't know, you know, the proper PC term. But even without the political correctness of our day and age, to think properly how using your terminology, your words, will register with someone else. The measure of man is how they treat their fellow man. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen.